Hey, welcome back to the American Cattleman Podcast. Coming up, we'll check out some cattle news, give you a heads up on some of this month's articles in the magazine, and then we'll check in with Travis Wolf, a Minnesota cattleman about his family ranch and getting beef to consumers. Then a breed visit with Dr. Joe Mask from Beef Masters United. And we'll close the gate with some thoughts on why folks just don't want to work no more. Stick around. There's more to come. The American Cattlemen Podcast is brought to you by Rawhide Portable Corrals out of Abilene, Kansas. RawhidePortableCorral.com By Miraco Cattle Waterers. Always accessible, always fresh, and distributed by Gallagher. Learn more at am.gallagher.com And by TYM Tractors. Affordable power for the farm and ranch. Find out more at tymworld.com now, here's your host, Chap Ramsey. Thank you, Hunter. Hey, great to have you all back with us. If you do use social media, check us out at American Cattlemen. We are just about everywhere. Let's dip into the news for just a minute. Producers are upbeat even as beef prices continue to climb. Why? Consumer demand. Beef Magazine is reporting that optimism greeted beef cattle producers from around the country who attended the recent Texas A&M Beef Cattle Short Course for two primary reasons. High cattle prices and continued consumer demand despite the higher beef prices. Unlike in previous decades, Americans today eat higher grade beef and pay a premium for it. Beef cattle producers broke out of their timelines at the Texas A&M Beef Cattle Short Course to see where their industry had been, where it is today, and where it might be headed. And all indicators point to increased demand and better profits. That's something to cheer about. However, cattle experts say that now is not the time to increase herd size. Well, it's no secret to any cattle producer. We're experiencing a drought. And in some places, it's getting serious. So what about feed? Drovers is reporting that grazing corn stocks or drought-stricken corn can fill feed gaps during the drought. That's according to University of Missouri Extension beef nutritionist Eric Bailey. There's some nutritional concerns, and producers got to commit to moving cattle to new pastures to successfully use corn stocks as feedstuff, but there are some benefits. Now, you know... Cows are selective grazers. They choose the highest protein and most easily digested plant first. In corn hierarchy, stalks rank last. But they still fill a cow's belly when options are limited. And because corn stalks are fibrous and poorly digested, consumption does become a problem. But cattle is pretty smart when it comes to picking out the higher value residue. But how much? Well, Bailey uses a Simple rule of thumb for estimates. Bushels per acre divided by three and a half equals grazing days per acre for a 1,200-pound cow. For example, if the field produced 150 bushels per acre, then an acre would provide enough residue for 42 grazing days. Hey, if you're interested, registration is open for the 2023 U.S. Cattle Trace Symposium, which will be held November 14-15 at the American Royal Center, Kansas City, Missouri. The goal is on collaboration, education, and execution. 
And the symposium allows attendees the opportunity to learn more about current animal disease traceability, responsive tools within the U.S., and help provide input on how a voluntary contact tracing tool can enhance potential responses in the future. Now, there's no cost to attend the symposium, but it is important that attendees register in order to provide accurate meeting materials and to have enough of a meal count so the cooks can cook. You can register right now and reserve a room at www.uscattletrace.org slash 2023symposium. All right, check out some of the great stories from the American Cattleman Magazine. We're covering topics like cow herd management and good culling decisions, risk mitigation in the cattle industry, some fall fencing ideas, controlling BVD takes, you know, a multifaceted approach and protect your profits with Wagyu. Why not? Hey, you can check out the digital edition at www.americancattleman.com. All right, stick around, because coming up next, a conversation with Travis Wolf from Clear Springs Cattle Company based in Minnesota. We're talking Semitol and Angus, bull sales, getting meat to consumers, and more. Learn what it's like to ranch in Minnesota on this, the American Cattleman Podcast. Therapies, the maternal bovine appeasing substance. This could be the most valuable calf crop in history. Get the most out of your calves. Wean your calves with Therapies. Studies have demonstrated that Therapies calves are 30 to 40 pounds heavier 45 days post weaning. Block the stress with Therapies. Less stress means healthier and heavier calves. Learn more at Therapies.com. That's F-E-R-A-P-P-E-A-S-E dot com. Hey, welcome back to the American Cattleman Podcast. My name is Jeff Rams. It's so great to have you along for the ride again today. We're going to be talking about cattle and up north in Minnesota, of all places. With me on the horn is Travis Wolf. He's with the Clear Springs Cattle Company. We're going to talk a little bit about his operation up there. Travis, welcome to the American Cattleman Podcast. Great you, you can be with us today. Well, thank you, chap. Really appreciate you having me. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we talk a lot to folks in uh, Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas, Wyoming. I, I don't think I've ever had a conversation with a cattleman out of Minnesota. What's it like up there? Well... The winters are cold and the summers are hot and humid, so we get a little bit of everything. Um, but yeah, we we live in a part of Minnesota that is unlike any other part of the state. We're on the glacial ridge. Yeah, you were you were talking about that the other day. What what does that mean? Yeah, so it's it's a it's a ridge that was you know formed by the glaciers on the eastern side of the Minnesota River Valley. It runs from about Fergus Falls down to Wilmer. Um, and yeah, really hilly, a lot of sand and gravel, um, bays. So not not like the very southern part of the state where they can grow 250 bushel corn. That's right, for sure. Right, right. <laughs> so it, it makes it good for cattle country, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. What? Yep. Uh, we, uh, we can grow a lot of hard native grasses. And so the pastures are really good. So how long's the family been in this? 
So we moved here to Starbucks uh, almost 13 years ago. Huh. My dad grew up over by Morris, uh, worked with his three brothers on the farm that my grandpa Leonard started. That was called Wolf Limousine. And he was the cow guy over there. And 13 years ago, he felt the call to move his family over here to Starbucks. He found this place for sale. It's the old Mark Fredrickson ranch, had Herefords on it. So he, we made that move to kind of keep the small family farm uh, sure. atmosphere that we grew up with. And uh, it, it, I imagine it's a family operation right now, too. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It's uh, myself. I'm the cow guy. And then my parents, Jim and Twyla. Uh, dad takes care of kind of the feeding and property and things like that. Mom does the books, and and then Brady, my younger brother, does the cropping. So everybody's got a job. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But so, but the nice part about being a small operation is you know we can shuffle around real easy. In the in the winter time when we're busy getting ready for the bull sale, uh, Brady Brady's a full time cowman that helping calve and and all that. And like now we're getting into wheat harvest, so we're helping him get the weed off right so what are you running up there what breeds so we run 325 simmental and mangus cows uh, we're to the point almost all are registered now i think we have about five unregistered cows left that we use for recipients um so yeah so what's the market like where you're at so we sell bulls on an annual sale in February and they go all over the country. Uh, we've been blessed with a, a, a large reach from the name, um, from name recognition. And so they go from Florida to Washington, and Virginia to California. And you're, you're um, noticing that this cross breed is working out well for you. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the, the only free lunch in the cattle industry is hybrid bigger. Right. Crossing cattle. So so we definitely want to take advantage of that. We, we do raise, you know, a lot of purebreds as well for the people looking to make the F1 cross. If you have a straight Angus cow base, you know, there's there's no sure. better bull to put on them than a purebred. Um, but then we raise the Sim, Sim Angus for the guy, guys that have the crossed up cows already. It, you know, what's really surprising to many people, maybe not cow people, but how specialized everything has become. It used to be that, uh, you know, if you, if you were running Herefords, you were running Herefords. If you were running Black Baldies, you were running them. But um, it's really gotten specialized, hasn't it? Yeah. Yep. And, and them are the most exciting commercial producers to work with is the ones that have a plan to keep things um, – to keep that hybrid vigor in their, their herd. Um, the ones that use terminal bulls for just that terminal, yeah. um, and not keep any daughters out of them real high growth, you know, big car, big time carcass bulls. And then, and then on the flip side, if they have a big enough herd, they, they have a set of cows that they run a maternal bull on to make their feet. Ah. And uh, I think I, I'm wholeheartedly convinced that, we need to keep pushing that in the beef industry to get that direction because a great cow 
is the complete opposite of a great steer. <laughs> and uh, so if we can if we can figure out how to make a cow really efficient, really fertile, have a lot of longevity, but then come on onto that cow with a terminal bull that has all the blow and go power and, and carcass quality that you can get, then then you'll find that steer that uh, you get that happy medium in the steer, but you don't break the bank running the cow. Right. So are you doing any cow-calf? Yeah, so we run 325 cows. Right. Um, all them, all them calve every year. Uh, and then most of the bulls get sold on the sale. Yep. We do feed out our own steers. Yep. Uh, that way we can collect carcass data. And then Brady actually has a Clear Springs market where he sells direct. Oh, beef. yeah, there you, there you go. There you go. And consumers really want to know where their beef is coming from these days. Yeah, they they sure do appreciate that. And then just there's there's something with the freshness of it as well, um, to where it, you know it doesn't go through all these different channels. It goes right from the locker to right. Brady's freezer, and then from the freezer to the grill. Um, so, so they, they really. Yeah, really appreciate. Yeah, that. they do. It, and even restaurants, you know, we've been to some restaurants where they're even printing on the restaurant where that beef comes from. So people, yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, that's that's part of Brady's business as well. Is he's there's a new steakhouse in Morris called Prime, and every once in a while he'll he'll send a half of a loin in there, and they'll put it in their dry age case oh. and serve it serve it as local local beef. So. And it goes quick. Yep. Yep. That, yep. <laughs> you heard that. So let's talk a little bit about carcass. Uh, how how these uh, how these cattle look on the rail? Yeah. So I guess I'll back up a little bit to my grandpa. You know, my grandpa never was really a cattle breeder. He was more into feeding cattle. Mm, yeah. And he was obsessed with going down to the packing plant and seeing his cattle once they were killed looking at their carcasses and uh that that tradition has kind of bled through all the way through our family we've we've always put a lot of em emphasis on the carcass quality because if our customer doesn't have a quality eating experience you know we're what are we in business for <laughs> and uh so that that worked out really well when we started working with tom hook from Tracy, Minnesota. When we first got into Simmentals, that's where we got our original cows. And uh, so he'd always put a lot of emphasis on carcass quality as well. So we've always done that, and it definitely shows up. Yeah. The steers that we feed ourselves, almost nearly 100% choice or prime and zero yield grade fours, all ones, twos, and threes. Wow. So it's, it's really showing up in in the feedlot as well. It is a family tradition for sure. Say, uh, let me, our guest is Travis Wolf. He is with Clear Springs Cattle Company up in Minnesota. And uh, we're talking about his operation there. What, what challenges are there, uh, Travis, to, to be working in a place like Minnesota? Do you find anything like that? Or is it, is it pretty much standard operating? Well, the biggest challenge is the winter. Yeah. <laughs> Last year, you know, we had four feet of snow that came and it came middle of December and it didn't leave till the middle of April. Oh. 
so we were we were pushing snow that we're not the only place north dakota fights snow too sure um but that's definitely our unique you know every part of the country has a unique weather challenge and and snow is is definitely ours that's we're why. just thankful we, we don't get hurricanes or right you know cyclones or yeah i i I understand so talk to us a little bit about this february bull sale how many how many head do you put up for sale and um yeah just just talk a little bit about that yeah so we'll sell 125 bulls and they're yearling bulls born in january february march um and then we'll sell them february this next year it'll be february 9th that's the second sat second friday in february and then we'll also sell 75 females, combination of opens, bred heifers, and some young cows. Um, so, so are you doing that on the internet too, or? How... Yeah, yeah. Yep. We have it here. We have the auction here at the farm, but then we'll be on DV auctions. Right. And right. We get a huge response on DV. Uh, about half the cattle sell over the internet anymore. Really. Yep. Yeah, and part part of that is because they're going so you know so far across sure. the country. Yeah, if you got them going to Florida for crying out loud, it's, it's, you know it's hard to make it to Minnesota in February. So why not take advantage of the internet? Yeah, that makes yep. perfect sense. Perfect sense. So, final question for you, Travis: uh, What challenges do you see going forward? What, what do you think about the beef industry in general? about your breeds, uh, about the consumer. What what kind of concerns do you have as you look forward? Oh, probably one of the, one of the biggest struggles in our area. And I, I've heard it from around the country is the competition for land. Yeah. Yeah. It, you can only get so many dollars worth off a piece of ground. If you run a cow on it, um, there's there's so many other uses that that pay better yeah um you know whether that's agriculture you know crop farming or developmental or um, and then actually just conservation uh the conservation groups are really pushing in our area to get as much conservation land as possible that's a challenge but also an opportunity sure it is if we can we graze a lot of fish and wildlife ground, and actually, three years ago, we just got on local state park, huh. put cows out in the local state park. So, if we can work with them conservation entities, sure, uh, to utilize that land, um, it helps manage their prairie better. So, yeah, sure, it does. It, you know, and, and that's a great um, c- companionship if you can work with them rather than against them. You know, yes. you, you got something going on, and then you do that rotational grazing. That that makes a yep. difference to, to to the quality of their land. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Good stuff. All the way from Minnesota with Travis Wolf. Travis, thanks so much for spending some time with the American Cattleman Podcast. We certainly do appreciate it, buddy. Yeah. Appreciate your time as well, Chap. That's the voice of Travis Wolf, part of the family run operation at Clear Springs Cattle Company in Minnesota great conversation. Thanks so much, Travis. We're looking forward to hearing more from you. Coming up next, we're headed to Bryan, Texas, 
For a conversation with Dr. Joe Mask, he's the executive vice president of Beefmasters United. Some good news for you just ahead as the American Cattlemen Podcast continues. At TYM Tractors, our tractors are made to tackle each owner's distinct needs as they shape the world around them. We augment productivity through technology, quality, and durability, creating equipment specifically designed to deliver long-term value and overcome customer challenges. Check out our website, tym.world forward slash en hyphen us for more information. Hey, welcome back to the American Cattlemen Podcast. My name is Jap Ramsey, and with me right now is Dr. Joe Mask. He is the Executive Vice President of Beefmaster Breeders United down in Bryan, Texas. Joe, welcome to the American Cattlemen Podcast. Great to have you with us. Appreciate it, Chap. Uh, look forward to the opportunity to visit with you this morning. You know, I was I was just so impressed when I was uh, looking through your website and learning about the history of Beefmaster. This is quite the organization. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the history of the breed, would you, Joe? Well, Chap, uh, you know, Doc, Mr. Tom Lassiter, back in the 1930s, uh, the breed's founder, developed the Beefmaster's uh, cattle from using three different breeds, uh, two of the English breeds, Hereford and Shorthorn, and then with Brahmin cattle, uh, the Boss Indicus breed. And, uh, you know, his biggest purpose uh, was to make a maternal female that could, um, you know, last in harsh environments. And in some of the harsh environments that we're in right now uh, with drought conditions across the U.S. But, um, you know, one of his biggest pushes was the six essentials that we talked quite a bit about. He was looking for disposition. He was looking for fertility, uh, weight, confirmation, hardiness, and milk production. And I think it, um, you know, in his legacy uh, with the grandson still on the board, uh, of directors here with Beefmaster Breeders United, uh, Mr. Laster made a breed that, like I said, was maternal, but it also has some carcass quality to it. And so to fit into the beef environment and the beef industry, uh, this breed does quite well. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I, I noticed was that USDA authorized this as a breed back in 1954. That's been a while ago. Exactly. And, and um, you know, from taking those three breeds and, and coming up with something that is now known as a purebred cattle breed mm. uh, in the United States is something that's very phenomenal. Um, and I think it's... Uh, as we see this today from the 30s and even in the 50s and now even in the, you know, 2023, we've got a breed that uh, holds its own and uh, one that uh, has a lot of notoriety and one that's getting a lot of talking about as well. Well, you've had some meteoric rise in membership. I mean, I was looking back in, in over just 24 years, uh, Beefmaster went from an organization of 300 to 7,000. That's an amazing accomplishment. How'd that get happen? I think just the, you know, the types of cattle um, that Beefmaster is. And, and um, you know, people wanting the commercial cowman as well as the purebred breeder, mm -hmm. wanting cattle that can survive in a lot of different environments uh, from 
South and Central America, all the way up into, you know, Colorado. Um, and now we've got uh, beef master cattle in Thailand, uh, South Africa. And so people took the, um, you know, this breed that was, you know, come up with the six essentials. It was basically was developed and then uh, put it in different environments and it works. And so I think people are, are really seeing that today. And that's where that growth comes from is people want to be part of a breed that number one's growing, a breed that, um, you know, does research, a breed that has data behind them. Um, and then you take that maternal female that you can put out and do about whatever you need to with it. Huh. Let, let's talk a little bit about the environment. You you, you mentioned that earlier. Uh, this cross, which is now purebred, was built for harsh environments, and 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 we're seeing temperatures around the world increase. I would imagine that would be a, a positive thing for the expansion of Beefmaster. Would that be right? Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. I think that all the Ball Syndicus breeds um can you know hang their hat on cattle that are that can deal with those harsh environments and uh we know that um we can see models with temperatures rising every year um and with these cattle that are adaptive to those environments um you know they can withstand the heat it can withstand those environments in subtropical regions as well it's a big plus and i think uh, breeding them back um, to more of the native cattle around the world, um, we're seeing a lot of a lot of good results, and um, we've got some data that just came out of Panama, uh, where Beefmaster, you know, held their own against the other Boston Indicus breeds there in Panama on some studies that they had there. So, as we move further and further into the realm of research um, and data collection, I think you're going to see more out of Beefmaster and what can they do with these harsh environments. How competitive is the breed typically i mean you know we're all cattlemen we've all had you know, cattle on the ranch or on the farm uh, how well, i don't want to use the word combative but um how uh, how does that work between the breeds i mean we're all in this for for success and uh can, can you speak a little bit to that because one of the things i've noticed about beefmaster this is a real family-like atmosphere that you guys have created there at uh, BBU. Uh, would that be accurate? Yeah, I think it'd be very accurate. I think we are a family breed. Um, you know, one of the things that um, I think is the plus, and I'll always say this, is the maternal ability. Mm. Um, but before that, um, you know, we know that a lot of our members have day jobs in, in town. Mm. And uh, cattle are, are their second source of income, or maybe it's a hobby, and they just want a few head of cattle. I think the disposition, um, the demeanor of these cattle um, are very important because when you start talking about, you know, maybe having a, a female that's starting to calve and you need to get her up or whatever, or maybe the husband's still in town and the wife needs to get her up or the kids – you know, the disposition means a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. that uh, that's one of the things that we're known for in Beefmaster, um, as well as, you know, these cattle that, um, you know, will milk well. Um, you know, and I think that that's another big plus that they have that, uh, 
that farmer and rancher knows when they buy Beefmaster, whether they use them, like I said, in a purebred operation or they use them in a crossbred setting, or maybe if they're doing embryo work and they use them for recip cows. Uh, they know these cattle will will maintain themselves. They know these cattle will thrive. Um, and at the end of the day, they're going to make money with Beefmaster. And uh, we're seeing a big push right now um, in our sales, uh, production sales that we've had. We're seeing record prices. Uh, we're seeing, you know, other breeds starting to utilize our bulls and crossbreeding systems. Mm. And so I think that... Um, the thing that Beefmaster um, has been known for, especially for the last ten years, chap, is is the data collection. The um, you know working on EPDs, working on to make sure that these cattle are doing what we say they'll do, and we're going to continue to do that. And I think that uh, people are taking notice of that, and uh, the worldwide demand is there for Beefmaster. Our guest is uh, Dr. Joe Mask. He's the executive vice president of Beefmasters. Uh, Beefmaster Breeders United, and uh, grateful that you're spending some time with us. Uh, let's talk about profitability when it comes to on the rail, if we can. Um, how, how how does how does a Beefmaster how, how do you score when you're taking a look at uh, uh, that production? Chap, we we are once again. I know I've mentioned research and I've, I've mentioned data collection yeah. uh, quite a bit, but uh, that's one thing that. Um, that, that I want to make sure that we have so that we can back up what we're saying. Um, we are in the process. This is the second year now um, that we have um, half blood beef master calves on feed um, in a feed yard in Kansas. And um, these, these bulls have been used on predominantly English bred cattle. So more Angus, red Angus, uh, Angus Hereford type cows. All right. Um, and we are feeding and harvesting those calves. And, um, the first set of calves were harvested last October. And so October of 2022, and, uh, those cattle were 94% choice. Mm. Uh, those cattle, um, you know, gained a little over four pounds a day, average daily gain. Uh, those cattle were on feed for 160 days. And uh, one of the impressive things is, is that 17% of those cattle went CAB or the certified Angus beef. And so, you know, the cattle will grade and the cattle will do well. Uh, We've got a set right now that should be harvested. um, If everything goes right, probably about mid-August. Those cattle, you know, went on feed in December uh, for the simple fact is there wasn't any grass to go on to, you know, and, Right. Um, in January, February, March, or any oats or, or anything like that, just because the weather. But uh, so they're going to be on feed a little longer. Um, but the initial ultrasound uh, on the carcasses with IMF and and ribeye area look really well. Mm. Um, you know, so I think that we're going to see another uh, great group of cattle that are going to yield very well. Number one, but they're going to grade very well, and um, you know. As I tell everybody, we don't take away from that the maternal side of the breed because that's important. But we want to make sure when when a producer is out there using our bulls or our females, and uh, they go the rail with those calves, that they know that they can get some of these premiums that are out there, as well as 
you know, those cattle won't have to be on feed as long. Now, Chap, I want to include one thing to this is that, you know, we use the word sustainable a lot in the in this world. And, yep. and in agriculture, we use the word sustainable. Well, one of the things that that was very impressive to me on this first group of steers that we that we uh, fed is that we had zero pulled out for sickness. Huh. We had zero deaths. We had zero medical cost huh. on these cattle. And so at the end of the day, if a producer can put cattle on feed and know that, um, you know, they're not going to have additional expenses in the yard, um, that's more money in their pocket. And so that's one of the things we saw. And uh, like I said, so far, um, I'll be taking a look at these cattle in Kansas uh, another couple of weeks uh, right before harvest. But uh looked like they might do about the same thing. Joe, final question for you, and I, I certainly do appreciate you spending so much time with us. Uh, talk to us about future trends. What, what do you see for Beef Masters as you look out there maybe 5, 10, 15 years or so? Well, I think we're going to stay true to our six essentials. Yeah. And we're going to yeah. still produce cattle that, um, like I said, have the disposition, the fertility, the weight, the confirmation, the hardness, and the milk production. But I think you'll also see more uh, work being done uh, when it comes to DNA, uh, more work with our EPDs, uh, you know, more things that will help the producer make those educated decisions uh, when they're using those bulls. And, um, you know, one of the things that's, you know, on our website is we're committed to we're We're committed and uh, we do things together. We did it together. Yeah. And I think utilizing the commercial cowman um, and women, utilizing our purebred breeders uh, to make sure that uh, we look at the, the, you know, what does the market dictate? And we know that yeah. Yeah. Um, the consumer demand is is sometimes is choice or better uh, when they go to the restaurant or when they go to the store, but also those cattle that that might not be as you know those low choice, high select type cattle, you know, do we have a, we have a market for them. Mm. And um, I think that's one of the things that we've got to make sure that the footprint we put down today uh, with Beefmaster and in the steps that we take from this point forward, have to be number one, how do we stay sustainable in the beef industry? Um, how do we, you know, feed America? Uh, number two, and how do we keep things going where that uh, Beefmaster is known when somebody's looking for a bull or a female that they think Beefmaster first when they're thinking boss syndicates? So and important. I think those are the things we're doing. Yeah, so important to be able to positively market yourself. And it sounds like you guys have got things under control. Joe, thanks so very much for visiting with us. We really appreciate this. And uh, uh, good luck to you, sir. Uh, I've been really impressed going through your website and reading some of your literature. And again, I just, I'm so impressed on the familial status of what Beefmaster is. You all really seem to get along and uh, it, it, it is seemingly a real united front. So thank you, sir. We appreciate it, and We appreciate the opportunity to visit with you as well. That was Dr. Joe Mask the EVP of Beef Masters out of Bryan, Texas. 
always great to visit with the folks who are turning out high-quality beef for the consumer. Hey, stay with us, because we're going to close the gate with some thoughts about how some folks just don't want to work. As the American Cattleman Podcast continues. Check out this new and improved classic model from Rawhide Portable Corrals. It's got a number of advantages and features you'll love. This Rawhide Corral is a throwback to our old style and can be purchased as either a bumper pole or gooseneck design. Check out our website for all of our current models at rawhideportablecorrals.com or call 785-263-3436. Hey, before we close the gate on this edition of the American Cattleman Podcast, do you mind if I just kind of think out loud here for just a minute? You know, everybody's talking about how come folks just don't want to work no more. And that's kind of what this is all about. The other day, I went into town and stopped at the Widow Perkins Cafe. She calls it the Rutabaga Restaurant. I know it's a pretty strange name, but it sort of fits the town. Well, there in the window was a well-worn help-wanted sign. The bell on the door dinged when I pushed it open, and there stood the widow, rag in hand, looking rag-tired. Howdy, widow. Good to see you, I hollered over the din of the near full restaurant dining room. She said to me, well, good to see you, chap. Want to lend a hand? I'm swamped. And she was. The widow was running back and forth between the kitchen and the dining room, serving up breakfast, wiping off tables, and at the same time, wiping the sweat from her forehead. It's quite a sight. I grabbed a clean rag and went to cleaning dishes off the tables, hauled them into the kitchen sink where the widow was pouring some gravy over a plate of biscuits. I says to her, I said, hey, where's Sally and Jane? The widow spun around, fire in her eyes, and she spit out, they quit them damn hussies, walked out of here this morning and left me with a room full of hungry folks, the good riddance. They was only here for a couple weeks. While they was easy on the eyes, they were damn lazy. Hell, it's getting bad. Nobody wants to work anymore. I hear that a bunch these days, and it don't matter where you're at. From the big cities to little towns, everybody's looking for workers who want to work. I'm not too sure what to think. Might it be that these folks have more choices than before? Might it be that folks just don't want to work for peanuts? Might, might it be that some figure it's better to stay home and take care of the young'uns rather than doing daycare and driving miles away just to swap a paycheck for caring for kids. Yeah, there's plenty of reasons, and I got a feeling that maybe in the case of the Rutabaga restaurant, it's more to do about the boss than it is about them workers. Just some thoughts from the other side of the fence. Hey, thanks so very much for listening to the American Cattleman Podcast. We sure do appreciate it. And to learn more about us, all you have to do is Google American Cattleman, and we'll be right there with a magazine and a host of other things. From all of us to all of you, thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.